Welcome to Whitewater. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're just so happy that you are here. Uh, last week, we talked about resilient relationships and how important it is to restore and renew, uh, to to check in with the Lord, to check in with our friends, to check in with our family, and to check in with ourselves to see where do we need to fill up. This week, we're going to continue talking about resilient relationships uh, and and offer some ideas and tools uh, for building up resilience. A definition we're using for resilience is the ability to bounce back and recover from loss, failure, stress, or disappointment. Have you been feeling any of those lately? Loss, stress, I think that's something we experience daily. And we experience that in all our relationships, right? It could be with family, it could be with friends, uh, it could be around the holidays, it could be around COVID. There's just so many different things that are impacting how we communicate, uh, what our expectations are of each other. And sometimes we run into barriers and it's hard and we feel pressured and knocked down. Uh, and Paul, he offers us a, a great, um, some great information about what resilience is because we're not the only ones who have struggled with this. He said, we're often pressured from every side, but we're never crushed. Sometimes we don't know what to do, but we never despair. And sometimes we're attacked and abused, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. So Paul, he's recognizing that like life is not easy, right? It's going to be challenging. We're going to feel times where we're, we're alone and isolated and we don't know what the next step is. But if we check in with the Lord and check in with our community, check in with ourselves, that is that next step of resilience to be able to get back up and keep going, right? We're not asked to get up and never talk about it and stuff our emotions down and sweep everything under the rug. No. What's resilient, what's healthy is for us to talk about it, is to be able to be in a community where people are encouraging us and they're asking us, hey, like, how, how are you doing for real? And God wants to know as well, to take that time, set aside time to, to talk to him ongoing, uh, have some breakfast, have some tea with him, um, and check in with how we're doing emotionally, spiritually, uh, mentally, even physically. So one element of building a resilient relationship is to show respect to other people. Uh, Rick Warren has a great series uh, on living a remarkable life. And I love what he says about resilience and showing respect. Uh, a definition he has for respect is to appreciate the uniqueness, value the worth, and affirm the dignity of everyone because God made them. How often do we do that? How often do we pause and appreciate the uniqueness of the people around us? I encourage you to do that. Take, take a moment to write down the names of your family and friends that are in your sphere of influence uh, and then write down one unique thing about them. Just notice, reflect, think about how they live their life, how they interact with other people. Uh, what are the stories that they've told you that tell you about their values, that tell you about what they care about? Identify that. That's the first step to showing someone respect is pausing and appreciating them, appreciating them for the way that God made them. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Show respect 
to everyone. Everyone. Psalm 146.9 The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Matthew 23.12 says, If you put yourself above others, you will be put down. If you humble yourself, you will be honored by others. Often it takes being humble to show respect to the people that we don't know well, that we don't relate to, and we don't exactly get along with. The, the next step is value their worth, right? So appreciate the uniqueness and then value their worth. Value everyone's worth. It's easy to value the worth of someone that we really care about and we think is really special. But what about the list of people that you try to avoid and maybe they rub you the wrong way, they kind of annoy you? This is a great practice to find the uniqueness in them and also find the worth in them. Because God wants us to show respect to everyone, not just the people who are like us, not just the people that we like, not, the sa- not just the people with the same lived experience, the same religious background, the same cultural background, everyone. The third part of showing respect is affirming everyone's dignity, right? So we've identified what their uniqueness is, we've uh, valued their worth, and now Talk to them. Call out those gifts. Call out those talents inside of them. That list that you wrote of unique qualities, share that with your family and friends. With that coworker that's a little bit annoying, tell them what is special about them. Call out the gifts in other people. Affirm their dignity. When we're showing respect to the people we love and to the people that maybe we don't love quite as much, uh, we are noticing them, uh, or empathizing with them, or loving them, and it's going to help them grow. If we're calling out the bright spots in who they are and, and encouraging them as they walk their path and their journey, it's going to help them live a better life. It's going to help them see how they can also show respect to other people. So showing respect to people is a choice. It's something that we have to decide to do every day. Some days it's going to be harder. Some days it's going to be easy. Uh, And so come back to that place in your heart. Come back to the Lord. Check in with him. Ask him for strength and say, oh, I'm having such a difficult day. I'm having such a difficult time showing respect to this person. And, And be reminded that God wants us to show respect to everyone, to see their uniqueness, to call out their talents and their giftings. Another element of resilient relationships is being reliable. Being reliable, committing to a relationship, pursuing the people in that relationship, and being trustworthy. Proverbs 26 says, There are plenty of people who will tell you, you can trust me, but it is hard to find someone who is truly trustworthy. In your day-to-day, how are you being that person that is truly trustworthy? Can you think of someone in your life that is reliable and you know that when you call on them, they are going to answer, that they're going to say yes and they're going to drop what they're doing because you need help now? Let's be that person to all the people in our lives, right? When there's this need, we can be there for them. 
And it takes being trustworthy. It takes being that person that day after day after day, we're living a life that our colleagues or friends see that we are trustworthy, that we're not going to lie, that we're going to be honest, that we're going to be candid, that we're going to tell the truth in kindness, in love, with grace, but we're not going to shy away from speaking truth into their life. Think for a moment if if you're having a bad day or you notice that a colleague's having a bad day. Maybe they're coming up on a really stressful meeting. Maybe they're um, having an annual review and they're just stressed. Are you that person they would be comfortable to come and be vulnerable and say, oh, I'm just feeling a little nervous about my annual review or I don't know if I did very well in that meeting. Are you that person that they'd be they'd trust for you to listen and to understand and to empathize? Are you trustworthy? Another element to being reliable is being committed. How are you being committed? How are you following through with what you promised to do? And sometimes this looks like following through with, hey, yeah, I'll help you move on Saturday. Uh, And sometimes it just means being available to talk. Someone can call you up and they know that you're going to answer. They know that you're going to respond to their Marco Polo or their text or their message uh, and that you're going to be listening to them. Often it doesn't take a lot of answers and fixing the situation, but rather being committed to actively listening for that person's values, actively listening to how that person's feeling and what their emotions are. People need to be heard. People need to be seen. And we can be that for them. Sometimes commitment looks like unlearning a quality and relearning. Maybe there's something that we learn from our childhood or upbringing uh, that isn't quite healthy. So it's taking that time to step back and reevaluate and be committed to relearning, you know, what the Lord wants from us, what, how we can be uh, more reliable in our relationships with others and with God. So this isn't just with other people. This is also with ourselves and with our relationship with God. How are we being reliable there, committed to checking in with God, listening to him uh, and following his ways? Proverbs 25.13 says, Reliable friends who do what they say are like cool drinks in sweltering heat. Refreshing. Have you ever had a long hike that was just really warm or you've been in a long car ride and you just want something cool to drink and then you finally get that iced tea or that, you know, that Diet Coke? It's so refreshing. And be that to other people. Be reliable. Be trustworthy. Another part about being reliable is being an active participant. We have to be active. We can't be passive. We can't sit back and wait for someone else to call us, someone else to text us, someone else to invite us. Yes, that feels good. And yes, that's part of relationships. But we also need to be that person stepping up and checking in with our friends, checking in to see how they're doing, uh, if they need to go out and have a walk, if they need some time of renewal and restoration. Um, It's having hard conversations when there's miscommunication or or a frustrating moment. It's checking in with the people in our lives that we love. In friendship and with family, it's not always even either. Brene Brown gave a really good example of she was traveling, she was working hard. Her husband also, he's a doctor or physician, and he's he's has really busy days. He's taking care of their kids. And when she got home, she just was ready to, you know, take a nap, go to sleep. He was waiting for her to come home so he could also rest. Uh, and what they realized that was that they were both very depleted. And so 
they had to work together to figure out how are we going to renew together as a family? How are we going to restore? And they came up with this plan that they're going to check in with each other. Where are you at? Are you at 20%, 60%, 80%? If one person's at 20 and the other person's at 80, okay, then they can help each other out. But it's not always going to be even. Maybe it'll switch the next week. One person's feeling 80, one person's feeling 20. It's important to remember it's not always going to be 50-50 in a relationship, and that's going to swing back and forth. But when we hit up against those challenging moments where we're exhausted, that's when resilience kicks in. That's when when we get knocked down, we, we get back up, we depend on the Lord, we check in with our friends, and we ask for help. We ask, we're we're vulnerable and we say, I need help right now. Can you help me? That's one of the hardest things that people struggle with is just asking for help. In our culture, it it comes across as weak when really it's vulnerability. It's opening ourselves up to risk, opening ourselves up to someone saying, no, I don't have the time for you. I haven't ran into that yet when I've asked for help. My friends, my family, my community, they step up and they check in and they're able to help me. So I encourage you, when you need help, ask for help. When you see other people, you haven't heard from them in a while, you think they might need help. Ask them, send them a text. Paul was a great example of checking in with his family, his friends, the people that he loved. He wrote letters all the time, right? We see that throughout the New Testament. All these letters where he was checking in saying, I'm praying for you and I love you and I and I want the best for you. Uh, he has one passage that's just fabulous. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. In verse 4, I love how the message says, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times, so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. God is there for us. He's walking alongside us. He's journeying alongside us. He's waiting for us. He wants to restore and renew. He wants us to show others respect. He wants us to be reliable because he's there for us so that we can be there for other people. I have a couple questions for you today to to journal about or talk with your home church. Who do you need to show more respect? Write down some names. Who do you need to appreciate their uniqueness, to value their worth, and to affirm their dignity? And what step are you going to take today to be an active participant in your relationships? Who needs a text? Who haven't you heard from a while? Who needs to go on a walk or go to coffee? Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's hear from Counselor Kate Konzelman about resilient relationships. Hi, Whitewater. I'm Kate Konzelman, and I'm here at Well Counseling. 
And one of the things that I'm seeing that is straining our relationships and depleting us both as individuals and as uh, couples or families or friends is really anxiety. Anxiety can be one of the things that depletes us the most. And so I just wanted to give you guys some tips and tricks on working through that anxiety individually so that we are more available uh, to be with the other people that we love and more emotionally available to them as well. So the first thing I would say is limit your intake of information. This doesn't mean you have to be uninformed and not pay attention to the news, but if you can give yourself some self-discipline and say, for 30 minutes in the morning, I'm going to read about what's going on and then I'm gonna cut that off. Um, another way to think about it is evaluate what your intake is. Who are you listening to and what are you absorbing? Is it always the news? Is it Instagram and the people that you follow? And where does, as believers, the Bible and wisdom from friends and family and our community groups come into that? So pay attention to your intake. What are you absorbing? Because that is going to be often what our outtake is, which can be anxiety. Um, second one is oftentimes this feels contradictory, but I'm going to encourage you to follow your fear. What that means is when we feel something about anxiety, the thing that's tricky about anxiety is it's ambiguous. It doesn't like to tell us really what we're feeling anxious about. We just feel it in our body and then we try to push it away or we tell ourselves, I shouldn't be anxious about that and it never works. So play it out. This is, you know, it's, it's not, it's counterintuitive, but it actually is really effective. What are you feeling anxious about? Play that out actually to its worst case scenario look at that worst case scenario and say, am I going to be okay if this thing happens? You'll be surprised that that's where your resilience kicks in is when you're actually at the end result of that versus the ambiguousness of wondering the what ifs and not actually playing that out for yourself. So I also just parents, I do this with my kid clients as well, because they have anxieties too. And so we talk through, okay, so worst case scenario, what if, where are you going in your what ifs? And kids can do this activity. They're really, they're really smart. And then as we get to the end result of this, kids are often finding relief because it's like, oh, mom and dad are still here, or I'm going to be okay. Or it's not as scary as I think it is. Um, Third thing would be exercise, and this can be just getting outside and walking for 10 minutes. I know this seems simple, but why we talk about exercise with anxiety is because exercise gets you back in your body. And we talk about this as therapists, like getting back in your body, and it sounds kind of funky and weird. Um, really, all that means is we want you to be present in this moment. So anxiety keeps you either in the future or the past. It does not keep you present in the moment. And so when we talk about being in your body or grounding, what we're talking about is we want you to live right now, not in the future or in the past, but right now. And that's, as believers, something that the scripture talks about, that don't worry about tomorrow or don't dwell on the past because really we don't have control over the future or the past. We really only can control how we're feeling about this moment right now. And exercise is one of those things that kind of grounds you back into the present moment. Um, and lastly, I would say practice gratitude, which 
is both what psychologists would recommend and what the Bible would encourage you to do. And the reason this is, again, grounding, anxiety, uh, it puts you in the future. So it, ta- it makes you focus on what you do or don't have in the future, which may or may not be true. Again, it's not we can't know. Where gratitude keeps us is we're being grateful for the things that are presently true right now. So it keeps us back here in this moment. And instead of wondering about the future, we are being grateful for the present. Um, And so you can practice this through writing down things that you're thankful for or vocalizing it to your family. Or maybe you just need to tell yourself, in your shower or whatever you're doing on a walk. But uh, gratitude really does make a difference because it keeps us present with now instead of futuristically wondering or in the past worrying. So those are four things that I would just encourage you and myself to practice in, in these days and as the holidays kind of intensify some of our emotions. Um, and hopefully that helps.